RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The time is 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on a Tuesday night. The place is wherever you happen to be, probably in front of some kind of a watching and or listening device. Uh, The show is Mission Log Live, uh, and that is this right now. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. Each week on Mission Log Live, you, yes, you are the star. You call us, you chime in with your questions and comments. And tonight, let's talk just us, me and you and Ken and our listeners. (laughs) Let's talk about Trek. Let's talk about whatever is on your mind. It's open lines tonight. No guests. So it's all about you. You can click on the link to join our Zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can even call us the old-fashioned way, just like the settlers did it. Dial us up at 646-558-8656 and enter the meeting code you'll find in the show description and in the comments. Thank you to everyone who is joining us as this show happens on Facebook or YouTube. Oh, golly, looking at the uh, chat room, I see Zazu. I see Erkelman. <laughs> I don't actually have the chat room open, so I can't yeah, see who all is there. Yeah, but I just think you're making it up. Yeah, I, I am. Well, no, Zazu and Urkelman are, in fact, real names. I don't know that they're watching this evening. But uh, thank you to everybody who is watching uh, right now. And, and for the people who are watching later, well, heck, thank you, too. You might be doing that on Facebook. You might be doing that on YouTube. Maybe you're not even watching, though. Maybe you're just listening. You might have your eyes closed. You might not be able to see the screen. Or you may have found our handy-dandy audio-only download place for the podcast. Uh, We put that up usually about an hour or two after this show ends. Just search for Mission Log Live wherever you get your podcasts. Or, to make it truly easy, go to podcast.roddenberry.com. There you will find not only this show, but also Mission Log, The Trek Files, Women at Warp, and Priority One. Just uh, just so much podcast goodness with more cropping up all the time. And finally, one last request, please, wherever you are, whenever you are, if you're downloading this on iTunes, maybe give us a nice review. Maybe hit a few stars on there to let people know what you think of the show. If you're on uh, YouTube or Facebook watching the show later, uh, hit like, hit share, because the more people who share, uh, the more people who might like it will see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ken, I'll, I'll throw some not made up names. Uh, we, we've got Brett, we got Alan, David, William, Aaron, uh, Matt, Josh, John, Carlos, Paul, Mike, uh, Meredith, uh, number one Mission Log Live fan. I don't know if you knew that or not. But, I do. Uh, yes, yeah, that's true. Uh, Chuck, uh, your friend and my friend Chuck joining us for the live show tonight. So a lot of friendly faces. There's Heather. There's Leslie. Good to see them all. Um, this is a milestone week for Mission Log Live. Can we hit the big 3-0? I know, right? You and I, we hit the big 3-0. This is episode 30. And it seems like only yesterday that we kicked this off to talk about discovery. Mm-hmm. But now Mission Log Live is its own thing. And that was kind of by design. We knew we wanted to do the discovery show, but then we thought, but if we like doing it, what do we do when there's no discovery on the air? And honestly, it all came about in no small part because of all of you, because of our listeners. So each week you've been there when we pick a topic, but this week we wanted to do something a bit different because we can. It's our show is our prerogative to do so. And, uh, and maybe we'll do more like this. I think that would be a lot of fun. So now, right now is the time to call in or enter the Zoom meeting. I already see a couple of people standing by. Um, we do want to tell you very quickly, though, about some cool stuff coming up. Ken, if you would, please, with the cool stuff. Yeah, we're going back into uh, we're going back into the virtual reality space. We're going back into 3D. We're going back to the bridge. And we're going back to Sansar um, next week, not Tuesday night, Thursday night next week. And I don't have the date in front of me. I want to say that was the 28th. Is that correct, John? Uh, you, the, the date would be the, yes, the 28th. Okay. There you go. 7 o'clock Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, basically the same time that we do this show uh, next Wednesday night. So one week from tomorrow night, we're doing Trek trivia on the bridge. 
So we'll go back to the bridge. You can hang out there with us. Uh, working up some trivia questions because I don't know if you know, but we've got this guy who does a uh, Star Trek trivia thing. Uh, he's also, he's also quite the showman. If you happen to catch a match, match game, uh, 2015, I guess it was, was it match game 2015? Uh, 2016, 2016, match game 2016 yeah. at STLV, uh, our own answer to Gene Rayburn, who's asking us just tons of questions these days. Uh, we'll be hosting a Trek trivia on the bridge. So a tremendous amount of fun reminder of where you find that this is a, uh, this is a specific platform, a specific VR platform in a Sansar. So you go to Sansar.com. If you have a windows machine, you download their app, uh, then you build your avatar, you choose your name, you, you know, dress it up however you want to, and then uh, come hang out with us. Now, if you've got the whole, you know, head thing, if you've got the whole goggles, the, the, the headpiece, whatever you want to call it, then you can come and just be standing on the bridge with us. If you don't have that, but you do have a computer, uh, a Windows machine that will run Sensar, you can still be there and you can still be part of it. You'll be able to hear everything. You'll be able to walk around the bridge. You just won't be, you know, virtually bumping into people. So we would love for you to check that out. And we will remind you again next week. But the whole thing starts at Sensar.com. Uh, download their app and... Um, and you know, get ready to, to to knock out some trivia answers. Oh, yeah, prizes too, right, John? Are there going to be prizes? I can't remember. Are there prizes? There's going to be prizes. They, All right. they have virtual prizes. Uh, uh, we just you know prizes and uh, and people on stilts. So <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing: it is it is a it is a community of makers. So it's quite possible that there will actually be an avatar of uh, people on stilts. Yes. Yeah. Very true. Uh, Ken, have you heard any news? I have heard a bit of news, John. What are you talking you about? Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of Star Trek news. The, no, the Star main... Trek news. No, actually, I have not. I've been like so buried in other news. I seriously have not heard most of what I see here in the notes. Yeah, it might lead into some discussion tonight. Uh, so today was a big news day, a big news dump from the powers that be with Star Trek. Uh, of course, we know that we have two movies in development. All right. Alex Kurtzman just signed a new five-year deal for Trek on TV. So he moves up to showrunner on Discovery. Uh, and then they're also talking about developing a teen-oriented series set at Starfleet Academy. Very interesting because the, the Academy idea is something that has literally been kicked around since the 70s. <laughs> and it seems like everybody who takes the reins uh, uh, with Star Trek in any medium any way shape or form they kind of float this idea out there again um a limited series with a currently confidential plot a mini series based on con an animated series with a currently confidential plot there's just so much trek and uh david said uh he, he pointed out yeah it, it's star trek now until the year 2023 so that sets us back with the podcast can until 2052 I think, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> is um, that a real, is that a real number? Or is that a fa- it's a fake number? I that is a fake number. Uh, okay. But we also learned thing. That, you're not yeah. far off on that number. That's the thing because I mean we've got we've got like I mean most of um, most of uh, Deep Space Nine, and then all of Voyager, then all of Enterprise. Am I missing anything else in there? Then we go to Discovery. Plus we got the JJ movies, and if they crank out seriously, you just named five series. Yeah. If they crank out five series, I mean, that pushes us out at, well, at least another year, if not the 15 or 20 you just tacked on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the way, this is a, a neat little thing, too. There is a new IDW comic mashup mentioned Transformers and Star Trek, but not just any Star Trek. It's TAS. It's the animated series Star Trek meeting the Transformers because, of course, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. just a license to draw bad-looking comic books. I don't you wish you had that job? I know <laughs> that'd be With pretty the cool. Delta shields on the uniforms, you know. Right, I'm on that right now, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, by the way, and before we get, we have two people standing by already. So again, now is the time to give us a call. Uh, Meredith asked in the chat, "Do you think the franchise is in a, in good hands with Alex Kurtzman?" Um, which is a very interesting question because he's now got a lot of Star Trek in his hands. Um, 
I'll say this. I haven't liked everything that Alex Kurtzman has done in his career and not everything that he has had a hand in with Star Trek. But I'm encouraged by the idea that, uh, first of all, as we all know, filmmaking, TV making is extraordinarily collaborative. So he gets to pick and choose the people that he wants to work with on these various projects. Um, this is the first time around that uh, uh, a, a guy named Rod Roddenberry has been an executive producer on a series when Discovery was announced. So it, it's not so much about him specifically. I think it's about the team that he has around him. And I was encouraged at the very beginning with Discovery that they were bringing in people like Star Trek novelists um, and trying to tread a little new ground that way. So, Look, I, we won't know until we see it, but I, I like the direction of the projects that were announced. Can I'm going to say um, pass. I'm going to say pass. Honestly, yeah. I'm not familiar enough with Kurtzman, like specifically, like you say, you haven't liked everything he's done. I can't. I feel bad, but his is not a name that I've known long enough to be able to say, oh, yeah, I love his work in this or I hate his work on that. I mean, it's like. I think what I would be more concerned about personally, it's not about any particular person who might uh, who might be taking over, but just uh, the entire direction that CBS seems to want to take it or that the powers that be want to take it at this point, both CBS and Paramount. Um, there is a lot of me that wants to see smaller Star Trek uh, projects. I think I want to see smaller Star Trek projects, especially in terms of the movies, because the movies tend to be summer tentpole. And I love the fact that, you know, studios think that they can make something huge from Star Trek at this point. At the same time, that's automatically going to mean some kind of space battle. That's going to mean you're either destroying the Enterprise, or you're almost destroying the Enterprise. It's always going to be at least 50 percent, maybe 75 percent testosterone. And I don't know that that's always been the best thing for a Star Trek movie. And it's certainly not always been the best thing for an episode of Star Trek. So on the one hand, maybe with so much stuff out there, you can start to get smaller, more interesting, more science fiction stories out of Star Trek. So that might be a good thing. Um, I think what I would be more worried about than any particular individual uh, running it, though, is just, you know, what's the direction that uh, the powers that be want to see it go? That's why I like that this deal is Star Trek TV. And mm. that's why I like that this deal has a lot of narrow focus. Yeah, it, it's a lot of Star Trek because we're talking about a lot of projects. But it, at least at first glance, this is Star Trek with a very narrow focus. And, and that's what's so cool about the way TV is being made and particularly the way that streaming TV is being made so that you can do something specific. You can say like, okay, we're going to do the Academy series now and it'll have a beginning and a middle and an end and they'll produce the entire season, release it over time. At least, you know, discovery is any model of that. And then you're kind of done. Then you sort of sit on that for a bit, say, well, are we going to do a season two of that? Are we going to do a season three of that? It's not like the old model of TV where you're producing as the show is running and then hoping that you get caught up somewhere in the mid-season and then hoping you get a couple of months off before you have to do it all again and hope you get renewed, hope you get renewed, hope you get renewed. Sort of the franchise fatigue, I think, that we saw a lot uh, that, that people claimed during that kind of 90s and early 2000s run of Star Trek was due a lot to that. I, I really like the idea of, of how this is being made now. I love the idea that the first season of Discovery was 15 episodes. And then you've got a year off. I know it's a long time to wait, but I like the idea of taking time in between those, uh, in between those projects. So mm. I'm sure that our, our listeners would have a lot to say about all of this. Ken, what if we go to a listener now? Okay. Why don't we? Uh, right. it looks, if I were going to guess, I would say it's Ian that's queued up first. I say, let's, I say let's go to Ian right away. Hi, guys. Hey, hey. Ian. How's it going? Look at that shirt. Oh, yeah. Yes. You can make <laughs> your own shirt just like this. If you just go over to whatever the heck that URL is. How about missionlogpodcast.com? Click oh, on shop. Sorry, right. can you say that again? I think I was speaking over you. <laughs> Missionlogpodcast.com. You know that's coming up later in the show. You know it's coming up in the show. Oh, no. What's on your mind tonight, Ian? Oh, I had a serious question to ask about uh, philosophical things um, that have to do with current events in a certain sense. 
Right. Uh, so um, I think everybody, regardless of what political view you have about the world, um, it's pretty easy to say that uh, we're facing existential threats um, with our ideologies um, and with how we look at the world and how we're going to be in the world. And in Star Trek, they were facing existential threats all the time to the to uh, whatever ship it happened to be. Um, and so my question was, how do we face today's existential threats? And what can Star Trek offer to help answer that question? Oh, easy. We got, we got 30 seconds. We can uh... <laughs> oh, go ahead, Ken. I see you chomping at the bit. I got nothing. Hmm. I'll be I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know, and I've had a hard time. I've had a I've had a seriously hard time this week uh, because I have another podcast that I do, and well, I'm talking about it tomorrow. Basically, so the other show that I do is a daily Apple news show, and generally speaking, I don't just talk about current events unless they have to do with Apple. Uh, today, Apple CEO Tim Cook uh, stood up in front of somebody in Ireland, they can't remember where, and said that what's going on in the southern border in the United States has to stop. And I'm both excited because now I get to talk about it legitimately on that show. And I'm also terrified because every time I say anything that's like just a little bit political, either direction, uh, my head comes off. And so I don't know what we do. I will tell you honestly, I have felt like a coward all week because I haven't been talking about it. And that's that's why I say I kind of want to pass. That's why I say I don't know the answer to your question. I mean, it is obvious. It feels to me like it should be obvious to anybody with a heartbeat that, that stuff that's going on. And that's just this week. I mean, there's so much stuff that we've stopped talking about now because it's become so regular. I mean, there's so much stuff that we just, I mean, because we're on to whatever, we're on to the next dumpster fire weekly now. So, I mean, part of me hopes we're talking about this in two weeks because I can't imagine it's going to have gone away. At the same time, I'm worried we're not going to be talking about this in two weeks. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be because we've gone on to chase something that's even more horrific. And yet we've gone up from 2,000 to 4,000 children who are separated or from 2,000 to 6,000 children who are separated. I mean, we are like... I don't even know where we are, man. I don't know. And so I don't know how to answer your question, except... No, I don't, I don't know how to answer your question. Truly. John? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me bring it around to Star Trek, or at least to Mission Log, um, and say that we have this conversation. Well, we used to have this conversation a lot more frequently than we do now, because I think now we... We're in a pattern and we understand when we get to a topic that we know is a hot button political issue, um, kind of how we're going to handle it on our show. Um, We know that we're more interested in having a conversation than we are in preaching from behind our microphones and telling our audience what we think. Um, so when Star Trek uh, presents something as a, a moral question, a moral issue, we're really interested in looking at all the facets that popular entertainment, science fiction, is able to give us through that lens. Um, my worry is that when we get behind these mics and something really hits us emotionally, which is tied into politics and, and what's happening in, in the world today, that uh, the wrong word or the wrong choice of words, just like you said, Ken, is going to be a landmine and we lose maybe a handful of listeners one day and another handful the next day and another handful the next day. And suddenly it's whittled down so that all we're doing is preaching to the choir. And we want to be better than that because I think we recognize that Star Trek was better than that that just sort of gives us the excuse to be able to talk about, um, about issues. Uh, go ahead. Well, I mean, at the same time, I mean, at what point do you just say enough already? Yeah. I mean, cause here's the thing. If you don't think it's wrong to take a kid away from their parents because they're trying to get to a better life, I'm not that interested in talking to you anyway. It's fine. There's no, yeah. There's no it's nuance fine. there. There's no nuance there at all. It doesn't feel like it. And yet 
And yet, you know, we live in a world where there seems to be, I don't know, you're a fairly smart guy, Ian. I've talked to you a time or two. What's your take? Well, I mean, I guess maybe what I was thinking about with the question was more like, how do we model our problem solving when we're dealing with things that, because things that we normally would not be able to face. Like, um, that's one of the things that's kind of interesting about Star Trek to me is that the, um, the crew will face a problem that any other group of people on the planet, you know, based off of their various dysfunctions that they have and the way that society works, um, can't solve that problem. Uh, they just wouldn't be able to come together. They wouldn't be able to look at it objectively. They wouldn't be able to find some way to deal with it. Um, but the crew always seemed to model some way in which you could solve an unsolvable problem and you didn't have to accept it. Uh, you didn't have to just sort of throw your arms up and go, well, checkmate, I guess we're dead. Um, and instead, it was, you know, they, they, there was some thing, some, some understanding that they had amongst each other and some, some sort of greater insight or greater leverage that they had uh, that always inspired me personally. Uh, and so I frequently come back to looking to that crew nowadays as how to um, how to reconcile myself with what's going on and uh, figure out what I could do that would be productive. So that's my impression. Mike Seymour just wrote problem solving the Captain Picard model. Try to solve the problem. If it doesn't work, try again. If it doesn't work, try again. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is that those failures you can learn from too, because each one of those gives you a little bit more information. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Ian, thanks so much. I, I don't want to cut it short. I mean, you, you brought the mother load of big questions tonight to kick off the show. We're not ramping up into anything. You started kind of at the top there. Uh, but we do have some other people standing by who I want to get to for sure, who I know will also have extraordinarily provocative questions. So uh, we'll see you soon, man. Till next time, okay? Take it easy. All right. How do we remind people how to get in touch with this, John? Because I don't have that in front of me. How we remind them is actually just to remind them. But, I, I you know, as usual, <laughs> I've lost the information. I mean, you can click on the Zoom link. I know that. But then there's also a phone number. Yeah. They can call 646-558-8656 and they can type in the meeting code that they will see uh, in the show notes. So right away, we can hop over to Benjamin, who has been waiting patiently. Benjamin, are you there? I'm here. Can you guys hear me? You sure can. You're a little faint, but, uh, oh, look at, the, oh, you, you bring the Spock in the jacket. <laughs> Nicely done. Oh, this has become like a competition now among our listeners. I love this. <laughs> love this. Well, you were talking about toys recently, so. Yeah. Well done. I have a giant, like, load of shelves of stuff. I just dole them out one at a time for you. It's a beautiful light-up model, though, the Enterprise. So well done. And, and the cage, Spock, fantastic. Uh, so uh, what, what do you want to talk about tonight, Benjamin? Well, you know, I showed up ready to talk about comic books first. <laughs> and now, uh, you know, we've, we've started off on such, a, such an important footing and, you know, Ken, I feel exactly the same way. This is a really rough week for me. And uh, I got into a big, useless argument on Facebook with somebody with whom I probably pretty much agree. Because uh, they were talking about the abuse of scripture by Jeff Sessions and people of his ilk. And I thought everything I need to know about how to treat other people. I learned from Sesame street and Mr. Rogers and star Trek. And I am so fed up with hearing people justify things that we all know are evil using scripture or ideology or anything else. Yeah, you could you could probably cut together a great mashup of Captain Picard and Captain Kirk 
and Captain Janeway giving all the reasons that you should kill everybody on the planet. If you're going to take, you know, one word from one sentence and one word from another or one sentence from an episode, not even look at the whole body of the whole thing. Absolutely. The, the lack of the lack of critical thinking, the lack of I mean, just, just that was seriously one of the most egregious things. I mean, in a week full of egregious things, that was an incredibly egregious thing to find out that, you know, the justification, the supposed justification is going to be from this one line. You ever held a Bible? It's pretty thick. It's pretty big. I'm pretty sure it's not that one sentence over and over and over again. Um, there tends to be a lot more about love in it uh, than we heard uh, from Mr. Sessions. Uh, Senator Sessions, whatever his title is. He used to be a senator. He's not anymore. But Attorney anyway. General. Yeah. Attorney General Jeff Sessions. That's right. Alabamian, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, he is. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem. I, I don't blame you for that. Um, I really want to talk about comic books, though. Yeah, let's get to that. <laughs> I'll feel better. I mean, I mean, because here's the thing. There are other people who are going to be calling in. John was kind enough a moment ago to give uh, to give the information on how you can do that. And I encourage people to and bring it light, bring it serious, bring it, you know, heavy, bring it not so much, whatever you want to do. Um, I got a little more than a rant on all this, you know, this week. So, I mean, we can come back to it. No question. And if somebody wants to argue, we can come back to that, too. But I, I, I want to know what you wanted to talk about with comic books. It's a real relief to just talk about uh, dumb stuff that doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> and, and the imaginary future that we all aspire to uh, for our uh, for the generations to come. Yeah, but but look, man, I mean, we've been doing this show for six years and Star Trek has been on the air for more than 50 years because we say that, that this is something that does matter, that that's got something to say about who we are and that that that's why we keep going week after week after week it's not always this heavy it's been a heavy week and uh, a heavy week among heavy weeks uh so i I think everybody who has called in who uh, uh has been concerned about that and says hmm you know i uh i very often have looked at star trek as some sort of uh 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 not for moral guidance, uh, but but something that at least is able to present moral ideas and uh, moral ideals as we struggle with who we are. I th- I th- this is all legitimate, you know. There's no question about it. Yeah, but- and at least uh, at least up to at least up to TNG because that's the one I've watched the most. But I mean, for most of the Star Trek that we've had in the past, I mean, concentrating on Star Trek, I mean. I was at Star Trek Las Vegas a few years ago and I was with someone who was, you know, happy to be there, was having a good time. And at the same time, she was looking around saying all of these people could be, you know, doing more. All of these people could be out doing something. They could be out cleaning trash. They could be out doing any number of things. And I was like, yeah, that's true. But they could also all be here for a, for a zombie convention. They could all also be here for, you know, some sort of, uh, I don't know, Rambo or something, something where it's all, you know, shooting and, Look, I love Game of Thrones. I do. But but concentrating on Star Trek, I mean, you are concentrating on a brighter future, like like uh, like you say, and like John says, and that doesn't mean that we've done everything that we can. But I mean, if you're if you're watching something that makes you think about whether people are being treated well, as opposed to watching something that makes you think, how would I survive a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> I mean, By the know, way, yeah. you're going from a good starting point, I think. To that point, Ken, just because you're not all picking up trash at exactly that moment doesn't mean that uh, you're not caring, thoughtful people who uh, who have some impact on the planet. You're also allowed to go away for a weekend. You're also allowed to go hang out with your friends. And if you come away from that energized because you got to be reminded about the better future that you uh, that you you like because of the stories of Star Trek. Awesome. So be it. Tell us about comic books, Benjamin. (laughs) (laughs) um well in the in the 1980s if you were a kid um as i was uh there was so much star wars in your life and it was just part of the air that you breathed and it was certainly part of the toy landscape that you played in and there was nothing for star trek there's a great video by a guy named Michael French who has uh, a YouTube channel called Retroblasting. 
And he did a video called Star Trek, The Lack of Khan, which is 10 minutes of talking about why there are no Star Trek toys in the 1980s. This killed me. I, I would have uh, given my right arm for a toy phaser. And there were none. Occasionally, you'd see like an Ilea figure on the pegs in Toys R Us because it was all they had that they hadn't sold. <laughs> uh, and, yep. and she didn't have a phaser. There was nothing you could do with her. <laughs> um, there were uh, power record book and record sets, which were fantastic. These little comic books that you put the 45 on and listen to it while you read it. Uh, I had about four of those. Yes. And they were beloved possessions, uh, which, by the way, all contained a very strong secular humanist message, which made me who I am. <laughs> um, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot outside of the TV shows and the movies. But one day in like 1983, my mom came home with a comic book. There was this DC line of comic books that came out after Wrath of Khan and picked up where Wrath of Khan left off. So there's so many battles waged in fandom about canon and what is and is not canon and what did and did not happen within a certain span of time. And when I was watching Star Trek and waiting for the next movies to come out, part of what informed my sense of what was going on was the story being told in these comic books. So interestingly, there were months and months of story going on between Star Trek two and Star Trek three and between Star Trek three and Star Trek four. And so in my mind, there were two different stories. There was the narrative set up by the films and then there was the narrative set up by the comic books, which filled in all the space between them. So we find out that uh, there's a Klingon defector. Uh, I think his name was Commander Conum. And this completely predates Worf. They, they presaged the idea of Worf. Um, hmm. After Star Trek Three, Kirk takes command of the Excelsior, and Spock gets command of a science vessel. Savik is first in command, or second in command. Uh, it's, it was a really interesting set of stories, which I haven't heard a whole lot of people talk about. And I've been online and you know, sort of put that out there. Who else was into these during the 1980s? And very few people, if anybody that I've been able to talk to, was following these when they were coming out. So I kind of always wondered if there were, you know, slices. Uh, oh, look at that. And you, you've got it right there. Right. This there. was uh, yeah. uh, issue number seven, the origin of Savic. So, nice. you know, this was some pretty juicy stuff for a fan with like only the wrath of Khan to look at and wonder about that character. Right. So, um, yeah. And on the back cover here, Burger time for the Intellivision. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I always wondered kind of what the, the divisions were among fans. There are comic book collectors who will collect anything that's a comic book. There are Star Trek fans who are into the novels, but not into the comic books. Um, I, you know, I grew up obviously watching Star Trek and Star Wars, and I collected a few of the comics here and there, but only because they were part of a Star Trek collection not because i was deeply into those stories but every now and then i'd pick up a novel or something uh, i remember one that bridged kind of between tos and the motion picture that i thought was super cool not because it had to be a great novel but it just sort of filled that gap for me a little bit mm -hmm. um whether it was oh, oh God, i'm gonna say it whether it was canon or not <laughs> irrelevant to me then irrelevant to me now don't care couldn't care less at all but um yeah i love that stuff like that exists to um to yeah just kind of like keep us invigorated and excited in between movie or tv projects and i really love the the idea of headcanon 
which <laughs> with the word canon in and of itself. But the idea that everybody has sort of their own internal idea of what the world of Star Trek looks like and what that history timeline unfolded as. Um, there's a lot of room to play in that sandbag, sandbox. And I don't understand why anybody would want to put restrictions on that. The other thing that's fun about stuff. The other thing that's fun about the comics to me is, and I don't know why I'm, I'm a hypocrite as far as this is concerned, because it bothers me when a TV show or a movie will take a ton of time to go back and revisit something that we've already done before. And yet I like the idea of doing it either in the novels or the comic books, like in that DC series that you're talking about. I think it was the DC series. And I'm ashamed to say I cut it up. I mean, I found it because I was at a, an old comic book shop. And in the 25 cents a throw comic bin, I found some of the, I want to say IDW, some of the more recent. So they're drawing, you know, Bones based on Carl Urban. They're drawing uh, Kirk based on Chris Pine. I found uh, one of the more recent comics. They've actually gone back to Return of the Archons. They've gone back to that planet to, to talk about like that ship and all of that stuff. But all the way back in that DC run, I found an, an issue that I cut up to make cards or something for somebody um, where Spock has gone back to Talos four and he's hanging out with a much older Chris Pine, not Chris Pine, um, uh, uh, Christopher Pike. Oh, I think that was the second annual. Who's having trouble with his kid. Right. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Is he still, are we, are we still imagining all of this? Because there seems to be a lot of human drama going on here. Oh, that's a nice picture. And then of course I tore it out and made a card for somebody, but still (laughs) it's kind of fun that you can go and uh, I mean, that you can go and explore a bit more with those. My issue is always just, well, the illustration. I'm a bigger fan of the IDW stuff because they were drawing, you know, they were drawing Kirk the way uh, Shatner actually looked at the time, but that's not necessarily going to give you the you know, prettiest picture. Apologies <laughs> to Mr. Shatner if he's listening. Yeah. Well, I would recommend these, these books very highly. I, I'd say like the first 30 or so issues are pretty interesting just to see the way that they wove in their stories with the movies that they were being released and to consider that that was from a time when original cast Star Trek was all that there was. Mm. Um, it's an interesting little time capsule. Excellent. Benjamin, thank you very much for calling in tonight, man. I really do appreciate it. And thanks for, uh, thanks for, uh, thanks for, for, for pulling us out of the dive. Well, thanks for allowing me to air that with you. It really is valuable to talk to people who are like-minded, not just like-minded, but are compassionate and coming from that place. Um, And it's also really valuable to just talk about fun, joyful things. And that's what we want for everybody. Awesome, man. Live long and prosper. Take care, Benjamin. We'll see you next time. Okay. Hey, uh, Ken, I I know that we have business to get to before we do the business. I have another bit of business. Okay. Uh, a few people have been asking about this in the chat. Just for some clarification, they ask about STLV. They ask about Comic-Con. Uh, yes, Mission Log will be at Comic-Con in some form or another, uh, part of the Roddenberry panel, and then uh, part of a panel that uh, Larry Nemechek is putting together about... Uh, about Trek and about fandom and uh, Mission Log and other representatives of the Roddenberry Podcast Network will be there for that. And then in Vegas, uh, Star Trek Las Vegas, which you can find at creationent.com, we will be there as well, uh, along with other people from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Uh, We will have a panel there. We don't know exactly when. Uh, We won't find that out for still a little bit of time to come. Uh, But there there will definitely be Mission Log representation there, too. So, yes, for San Diego Comic-Con, yes, for Vegas. And then, uh, Ken, other business. Well, before we get to the other business, and I should have asked you about this earlier, but I'm just going to try it and see what happens because yeah. uh, we want to do the lightning round, but we're not going to throw the lightning round at each other. Okay. Um, should we ask people? Well, if you've watched Mission Log Live and thought, I, I wish I could play the lightning round. 
<laughs> Call in and talk to our friend Brandon. Here's how you do it. 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call. 646-558-8656. Enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description. You can also uh, join uh, the Zoom meeting where you can use the one tap from your smartphone. If you specifically want to play the lightning round, if you be, if you feel like nobody has said who the proper captain is or nobody has named the best starship in Star Trek, uh, let Brandon know that you specifically want to play the lightning round. And, uh, and, and, and why the heck not? Is there a prize? No. You'll get hit by the lightning round. And that's really the best we can do. Now, other business, Mr. Champion, does that work for you? Yes, business, bring it. Okay. So uh, we we know this guy, a really cool guy who does really cool stuff. His name is Carl. He draws things. And then he lets us put the things that he draws on stuff. And then, and then we, uh, you know, then we come out here and say, hey, we got some stuff with some cool things on it. You want to buy it? That's how it works. You go to missionlogpodcast.com, then you click shop in the upper um, in the upper right hand corner, I believe it is, of the screen. And and you'll have access to all kinds of stuff. You saw Ian earlier with his uh with his tech the tech shirt. Oh yeah, that is from our shop. Uh, but there's so much other stuff, John. Yeah, there's so much stuff. You have the isolinear John and Ken carbon chauvinism with the Da Vinci twist. Uh, that's how I like all my drinks. And you have your favorite lieutenant and mine, Jay. Yeah, bonk bonk on the head since 1966. Nova Squadron, Ditalics Mining Corporation, Ethos Pathos logos. I just put up a new shirt design today. Is the- it up? It is up. The new and improved Silicon supporter. Yes, Data himself wants you to sand and deliver. And guess In what fairness, it is? Uh-huh. It might be lore. It might be data. It might be B4. I don't think we can actually in a very real and legally binding sense. Say that it's data. <laughs> you don't know. We can uh, say though, if, 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 you, if you just happen to be passing by, you'd be like, is that a data? Oh, that's a Silicon supporter shirt. Way mm-hmm. to go guys. Yep. Yep. Uh, And most importantly, there is a sale starting tomorrow, June 20th through June 24th. Everything in the Mission Log shop will be on sale. So check it out, missionlogpodcast.com. It's not just t-shirts. It's not just mugs and stickers. There's also notebooks. And yes, there are tapestries. There's tons of stuff to check out to make your own truly unique Trek-ish gear. Get yours today at missionlogpodcast.com. Our number again, 646-558-8656, 646-558-8656. I hope I got that right the second time because I actually wasn't looking at that. I was looking at our next caller. Our next caller is John. It is John, isn't it, John? It is John. Hey, Excellent. John. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. Doing all right. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, well, I've got man. myself a little Christopher Pike. And uh, for some reason, uh, Cap, uh, Cisco in the original series uniform. I don't Trouble know. What nice. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's from that. Yeah. Very cool. And, uh, I've got a little, uh, more plug here. Oh, oh. nice. Look at that. So uh, if you come to Vegas and Ken is wearing a Silicon supporter shirt, you're going to duke it out? Is that- uh, you know, I think uh, a little battle royale would be perfect right there. Okay. Can't wait. I'll have my uh, phone ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, I've been loving your recent uh, entries. And uh, one of the things I've noticed is that you guys have really uh, come to appreciate the episodes more the more you've watched them and i think this is uh indicative of one of the things that most of us niners really love about this show is that they're eminently watchable because they're so deep on so many levels that uh, not just from the production values that they're showing uh not just the writing but the acting and everything else involved with them uh and that you just want to keep coming back to them even the sort of lesser episodes are still just very watchable. Um, Yeah. You know, that kind of goes back to uh, thinking about the conversation we were having earlier in the show about Alex Kurtzman taking on all this new track. The, The nice thing about deep space nine is that compared to TNG, TNG had to be created from whole cloth. You know, right. you, you had the, the very small brain trusts who just had to invent everything. By the time you got to the development of DS9, 
Star Trek was a well-oiled production machine. Right. So they had the luxury of being able to really fine-tune what they wanted to do as a production, even though they're going in different directions. Uh, you can tell. You can tell from episode one, unlike the first handful of episodes of Next Gen, that they had at least some sense of direction, maybe a little better sense of character and how those characters would uh, weave into each other's lives. So um, I'm really enjoying that a lot. Right. Uh, and when you look at it, there are so many people involved in uh, Deep Space Nine who are further involved today uh, in show running, uh, writing and directing, you know, like Noreen Shankar with The Expanse, uh, Ronald Moore with his various prospects and Ira Bear. They've just had such an impact on the industry ever since uh, the show has been airing that it's just wonderful. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, I did have a question. Uh, so now that you're we're two thirds, three quarters of the way into the the first season, uh, has there been any adjustments that you've had based on your previous expectations or what you understood? Uh, any changes to how you view, viewed the show, or any surprises or disappointments or anything like that? They're handling kids great. I mean, I love that. Honestly, <laughs> right. they're 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 doing just aces with those characters. We're already seeing development. Um, I, I have watched some Deep Space Nine. I haven't given it anything like the watch that we've done with TOS and TNG uh, or the animated series for that matter. Um, to see them treat the, the children on that show, uh, teenagers on that show, as as humans, as, as actual characters who might have something interesting to, to, to look at and deal with has been really great. They also, I mean, it's, it's pretty, I mean, granted uh, they're working with a bunch of different writers, but it's pretty obvious that they were drawing a line um, on last week's show. I think it was, I was talking about how they gave me exactly what I had hoped for three episodes before or two episodes before where, okay, this uh, for people who don't know what we're talking about. Kira hits a milestone when she's talking to uh, basically her religious leader. Her religious leader tells her that she has to let stuff go. On a normal show, uh, one of three things might happen. Either she would never let it go and she'd be exactly the same next week. The whole thing would be forgotten the following week or she would be all better the following week. And instead, what we're seeing is we're, I mean, we're seeing growth from these characters in ways that Somebody tried to argue with me recently, but I'll stand by it. We never really saw character growth in the original series. That's not the way TV was made at the time. No. Yeah. We didn't see a lot of growth, honestly, from a lot of the TNG characters. They started off fine for the most part. And then one week something might be wrong, but the next week they'd be okay. And we wouldn't remember what happened last week. And we won't remember what happened this week, next week either. So, I mean, that's, that's been really a, sort of a rewarding thing to see. Um, as far as, has my perception of it changed at all? I tried to go in blank slate. I mean, uh, I didn't, I'm, I'm not going into anything that I haven't watched before thinking I'm going to love it no matter what, because I saw the Phantom Menace and I won't make that mistake again. Um, <laughs> at the same time, I, 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 I certainly hope I didn't go into it thinking I was going to hate it. Um, I know it's going to be different and I know at the end of it, um, I may have to sort of retool what my thinking on Star Trek on what Star Trek is, is I may have to rethink my definition of Star Trek by the time we get to the end of it. I'm not sure, but you know, not even all the way through the first season, there's no way to know that now. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll second that. I'll just, uh, that'll be my answer. I mean, I will say that I'm a little, uh, I'm a little surprised that there has been less emphasis on Benjamin Cisco after emissary. I, I feel like we've gotten a lot of exploration in Kira, um, certainly uh, Quark, uh, a bit with Jake and Nog. You know, all this stuff is really good, really valuable character stuff. We started out with a lot of depth about Cisco right at the beginning. Not so much has developed with him after the fact, but I know that there is so much more to come. I'm enjoying the ride um, for a show that I knew a lot less than the other shows. Um, this has been uh, really a revelation 
as to how enjoyable it is. So uh, look, man, I, I hate to let you go so fast. We got like at least three other people standing by that we want to talk to before the hour is up. So um, we'll say goodbye for now, John, and I uh, hope you join us again. Live long and prosper. Take it easy, man. Till next time. And uh, let's jump right over to Joshua, who has been patiently waiting. Joshua, are you there? I am, John. How are you? Hey, good. Uh, What's your uh, question or comment tonight? So I've been a a secret Star Trek fan since about Star Trek 2. I've only recently begun to sort of publicly wave the fan flag. (laughs) Nice. I got a tapestry for you, man. (laughs) One, two. Hey, nice. Very cool. My Lieutenant Picard. Uh, But I've never been to a Star Trek convention. And um, so what I could really use is a, a mission log supplemental where John and Ken explain how to do conventions the right way. I'll settle for this. Is Las Vegas too big for a, a convention novice? Ooh. Las Vegas is only no, I would say no. I mean, if you've got a few other friends that are going to be there, that would be fantastic. Make sure you touch base with them. Make sure you know it's, you know, but <sighs> There was a woman I met at the uh, Las Vegas convention a couple of years ago. And by the time I left, seriously, everybody knew her. And it wasn't because I was going around and introducing her. It was because she was going around and introducing herself to everyone. You're all there for like a reason, right? Um, It is the convention. Like I know I was at a much, 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 much smaller show in Albany a few years ago. And people there had a great time, too. They had a wonderful time. There was a fantastic vibe or feel around the whole thing. But everybody was surprised how small it is. I mean, STLV is is what you think a Star Trek convention is going to be. And I mean that in all the best possible ways. So my personal feeling, I mean, having gone to my very first one, what, I guess, six years ago now, John, knowing no one except for Rod Roddenberry and John Champion, and I left at the end of it feeling like I had been, I had been a place that without realizing it, I'd been looking for. Yeah. Uh, are two good people to know at a convention though. I'll say that. Say again? Uh, sorry. Those, oh yeah. Those yeah people to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will say, you know, uh, Comic-Con is too big. If you're just going to have a convention experience, something like Comic-Con is way too big. Vegas is big, but it's great. And my only advice is don't try to do everything. Pace yourself. Plan that you're going to go to some of the events, some of the panels, but really plan to just hang out and meet people. Uh, that That is absolutely the best way to experience a convention. And with that said, you know, I've been going since, two, uh, I, yeah, 2006 to Vegas. And I went to conventions before that, uh, before I started going to Vegas. Um that that still holds true. I still meet new people all the time. And back then I was meeting new people. I see Heather poking around in the chat uh, for our show right now. And her podcast, as she mentions, called Shore Leave is all about the Vegas convention. Um, so as long as I've been going, I'll listen to her show and learn stuff and get tips and tricks about going to the Vegas convention. So do check that out. It is, uh, it's very, very helpful. And it'll give you a really realistic sense of what it's like. So I sure hope that we see you there. All right. Great. Thank you very much, guys. Take Great it show. easy. Have a good one. Bye. We have more college to get to, and um, I'm, I'm curious whether we're still going to do the lightning round, but we'll try to lightning through and do the whole thing. Really quickly, though, I want to remind you, after our show, stay on Facebook and catch the live recording of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Each Tuesday at 11 Eastern, 8 Pacific, Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse. I'm sorry, did I leave out Winters? Yes, as a matter of fact, I did, but he's there too. Uh, TV and movie news, gaming news, TV and movie news. Gee, I wonder if they'll be talking about anything like that tonight, John. Oh, weird. I don't know. Yeah. A whole bunch of stuff to kick off like really right after this show ends every Tuesday night live on Facebook. So don't touch that thing where a dial used to be. Um, settle for priority one or settle in rather. Don't settle for it. <laughs> so never tell them I said that, please. I never it didn't I'm happen. The end of it. Settle in, won't you, for priority one, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast streaming live as it happens, facebook.com slash priority one podcast or download their show wherever you download broadcasts. Just search for priority one. Matt, I think Matt was the next person in line. Matt is on the phone for us. Good evening, Matt. 
Good evening, gentlemen. Nice to talk with you again. Hey, um, I had a quick that? question. I'm good. Uh, my question is about rewatchability. And does the current long story arc format on uh, Discovery, do, we, do you think that hurts rewatchability? Because, you know, for an example, I love like the, the Marvel shows they've done on Netflix, the Daredevil and Luke Cage. But I've seen each episode once just because you, you feel like you have to go back and you're going to end up watching the whole season again instead of, you know, going to the original series. If you want to watch Arena, you can watch Arena without feeling like you have to sit through Miri as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's possible. I mean, we won't really know for a few years, right? But I get what you're saying. I mean, I have actually, even in the midst of watching Deep Space Nine or when we were doing our hard rewatch of, uh, of, of TNG, I might go back and, and pick up an old episode of um, the original series just because, oh, I missed that or I missed those characters. haven't seen it for a while. When I think about going back to watch Discovery, the two that I think about going back to watch are either the Harry Mudd episode, Madness to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, or uh, the one in Latin that I can't remember the name of. But basically, Seaweed those Sparkum, are the, Yeah, something like that. Gesundheit. Yeah. Summa cum laude, magna yeah, cum laude. Yeah. I know that whole thing. Um, when I think about going back to watch it, it's the standalone episodes that sort of, you know, uh, that I want to go back and watch, not just because it's short, but because. Maybe it is because it's short, because they're self-contained episodes that really packed a punch because they those particular episodes had 48 minutes to do what they wanted to do. And they knocked it out of the park in those 48 minutes, as opposed to it being, you know, part 12 of 15. Yeah, same. I mean, uh, Discovery would be a little bit harder to introduce somebody who is totally new to Star Trek as opposed to, hey, sit down and watch this episode that I really like. And that'll give you a sense of why I like Star Trek with Discovery. It's now I want you to watch all of Discovery <laughs> or at least all of the first yeah, season. So, yeah, I, for a big commitment of people. Yeah, 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 for, for sure. But, it, you know, a lot of that sort of we have to give it time to settle and see what we get out of the seasons yet to come and see how we feel about it. Ken and I both plan to go back and rewatch the entire first season before season two comes out, as I'm sure a lot of Star Trek fans will do. Um, and I'm kind of curious to see how that goes, because there, there is this theory that even if you know spoilers, very often that can improve your enjoyment of something. So I'm curious to see if my experience rewatching the whole thing is changed any now, you know, a year later, or whenever I get around to it. All right. Thanks for taking my call guys. Take it easy. Have a good one. All right. Yep. So now we've got an issue and I think we, I yep. think, and I don't want Earl to hate us, but I think we have to go to Cosmo because <laughs> don't Cosmo, hate us, called in, Cosmo called in specifically because he wants to do the lightning round. And I think we have just enough time to eat the lightning round out before we have to say goodbye. Yeah. And I was emailing with Earl. I will very quickly just say, Earl, I, I hopefully you made it. Uh, he had a long cross country drive. So it uh, looks like he did make it and all is good. And we will talk to you very soon. So uh, join us next week or, or the week after. All right. Oh, I feel yeah. so bad. Don't I love when Earl calls in. Earl's Call in again, Earl. Yeah, that was fantastic. All right, All right. But we, do have, we do have Cosmo uh, gearing up to play the lightning round. At least I think we do. Cosmo, are you there, sir? Yes, I am, and I'm up for the lightning round. Nice. Fantastic. I want to do like the Tommy thing, like Cosmo, can you hear me? Except it's... <laughs> well, I'm in the mountains uh, right now on vacation out in uh, Placerville, California, so I'm just happy you guys can hear me okay. Oh, look at that. Oh. Fantastic. Nice. Very cool. All right, well, let's cut straight to the lightning round because I'm dying to hear your answers. Who's your captain, Cosmo? Picard. Far out. Uh, what, uh, so does that mean that TNG is your favorite Star Trek series? Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. Whoa. Interesting. Whoa. Who's, who's your favorite Star Trek bad guy or gal? Gold Ducat. Nice. Wow. He is okay. phenomenal. I, I love that man. All right. Uh, favorite Star Trek starship. There are no wrong answers, but I hope you get Enterprise it Enterprise right. D. I love the leather. I love the cruise ship vibe to it. Every other bridge <laughs> is all gray and dark. I love how bright it is. Um, and I love Livingston. Oh, well, okay. Well, who, yeah. I mean, who doesn't live living, love Livingston? So you you got that part of it, right? Hey, uh, have you seen the animated series? Yes, I have. That is the correct answer. Very good. <laughs> mm -hmm. What is your favorite uh, tech from track? Holodeck. Nobody ever says holodeck. And, and, you know, I think I might be with you. I just don't want to have to clean it up after Riker's done. 
<laughs> no, you don't. Nobody, nobody wants that job. No, no there's a blue shirt somewhere that has to do it. <laughs> it probably ought to be red shirt duty. But, you know, uh, last question, of course, because we still haven't thought of another one. Have you been to uh, Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? No, I have not. No, that's OK. Most people haven't. I mean, statistically speaking, if you, if you circle the planet, most people will answer that question the same way you did. Cosmo, I wish we had a prize to give you for doing such a fantastic job at the lightning round. But thank you very much for being patient, for staying on and, uh, and for playing our game. My pleasure, fellas. Awesome. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for making our first uh, uh, totally open lines, no guest Q&A show a success. And uh, I'd like to do this again, Ken, and uh, hopefully our audience would like to as well. I, you know, yes. All right. That as well. And I would love to, too. I would also love to remind everyone that Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry, technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks, producer Brendan Bradley. Uh, Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Mission Log Live, Women at War, Priority One, and the Trek Files. Uh, Don't forget to go to the Priority One page on Facebook because they're live show starts here in mere moments thanks to everyone who joined us live or later and we will talk to you next week podcast.roddenberry.com the roddenberry podcast network